Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, my friends, it's Tell Del Tuesday again, and that means you get to meet another member of Lifestyles Unlimited who has decided to change their life with us today as a member who uh, spent 20 years in construction sales and then decided, for whatever reason, which we'll find out today, that it was time to make a change. So let's go ahead and uh, welcome Jeff Ziegler out of San Antonio, Texas. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Del. Glad to be here. So 20 years doing the same thing. What made you decide to look into something different? Uh, well, you know, my wife and I have been construction junkies pretty much our whole lives. She was raised with a father who was a real estate broker. Um, I've worked in construction and construction sales my entire professional life. We've always wanted to dabble in real estate, if you will. Um, and just kind of seemed time to do something different with our money. We, you know, kind of did the Dave Ramsey thing, paid off all our debt except for our house, and we're starting to invest in mutual funds and just wasn't really getting us anywhere. So um, we came to real estate as a different avenue, really only just maybe to buy a couple of rental houses, and uh, well, lifestyles changed that for us. Well, I see you purchased seven rent houses to start with. Did you do that before you were members or after? No, we joined um, We joined in 2015, and then by the end of, I guess by the middle of 2017, that's that was the span that we had bought those seven houses. So we bought, we've only ever done real estate investing the lifestyles way. How did you hear about us? Uh, we joined because we had a friend at... Um, at the gym that we worked at, his name was Chris Jamison, and started following what he was doing on um, social media. He was always buying and renovating and renting and selling and doing something with houses. And uh, I finally called him one day and said, hey, what are you doing? And he started throwing out numbers or throwing out phrases like uh, hard money and loan to value and Rent, you know, rehab budget and stuff. And I, I, I stop. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Stop, 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 stop. And he said, you know what? You need to go to, you know, the you need to go to the Thursday night or the Wednesday night free workshop and um, or case study rather. And um, for this for this company called Lifestyles Unlimited, that's what got me started. So we went as a guest of Chris to. Uh, the San Antonio back when it was over, you know, by over on the old building, and went in. Case study was awesome. We signed up for the two day right then, and uh, made plans to come back that weekend. It was the next weekend, right? Come back that next weekend and and learn how to buy a couple of rent houses because we thought what Chris was doing was pretty cool. So let's talk about someone coming in from the outside and uh, witnessing a case study. You said it was awesome. Tell me if you can remember that far back. That's a long way. It's 2015. Uh, do you remember what it was that caught your attention that seemed so interesting or so exciting? 
Well, the first thing, you know, I kind of went into it a little, I was a little skeptical. My wife was kind of skeptical too, kind of waiting for the catch, right? And um, started talking to some people and started realizing these people are just like us. You know, there's there's no, you know, magic sauce. All these people aren't realtors. They're not all, you know, general contractors. They're just people. Um, and then one of the guys, I didn't even know that he was the one presenting. I can't even remember who it was. I just remember I was talking to him, and he's like, hey, I got to go, and ran up. And he was the one presenting for the single family. Uh, he was presenting one of his one of his houses, or his portfolio of houses that he had done. Um, and I was just talking to that guy, and this is you know he's making all this money with uh, four or five rent houses. And it was just kind of you know the realization that there was no you know magic wand. You didn't have to be a realtor. You didn't have to be a broker. You didn't have to be a contractor to be able to do this. You could just be a regular person and follow the map that you guys have, have laid out for us, and, and it could change your life. So when you went to the two-day, let's follow that up. Uh, I always like to ask one of my favorite questions. Was there any aha moments where the light bulb went on and you go, man, that's what I've been missing. That's going to be the difference in my life now. Did you have any of those yeah, aha we, moments? The aha moment for us on the two-day um, – you know, David Fisher made a big deal. He was he was the one presenting in San Antonio, and he makes a big deal about sitting in the front row. So, of course, you know, being overachievers, my wife and I go sit in the front row. And David started talking about why your why. Why do you want something different than you currently have? And um, my wife and I had just started our family. We had an 18-month-old or, or a 2-year-old at that point and a 6-month-old. And we had just kind of been sitting, talking, not too many days before that, about how we felt like we were missing out on important parts of our young child's life, our young children's lives. And so when he started talking about the why, you know, of course, you know, that he, he hit the nail on the head with my wife, Carla. And it, I mean, that resonated, that just, that, that part of it resonated, like, why do we want to do this? Why are we wanting something different? And then the ability to have real estate be the catalyst that could make things different for us was mind-blowing. This is, this is what we need to do. So had you guys ever talked about the why before? We had talked a little bit about how we felt like we were missing out on important things. You know, our kids were, I mean, we were, we were drones at work. I mean, we would go to work at, 7.30 in the morning and leave at 5.30 at night, go pick up our kids at daycare and spend, you know, two, two and a half hours with them in the evening for them to go to bed. So, you know, we had talked about wanting a change. My wife, you know, she had won with the with the company that she worked for. She'd won every award there was to win. She was a top five salesperson in the country, um, hugely successful, but then becoming a mother becoming parents for both of us, that, that changes things, that changes your priorities. And so we had already started talking about, you know, hey, there needs to be something different. We just don't know how to get to that something different yet. That's an interesting point that um, it used to irritate me is that how can you be the top salesperson in the country and not be rich? 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm sitting there looking at the guys when I worked for Corporate America, and I was in that same position. I was the top salesman and then later the top supervisor, had the top sales team, had all the top sales numbers. And yet I, I made like 70000 bucks a year. I mean, maybe if I bonused, I made more, but it just it was nothing. And I just thought to myself, this just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we did a little better than that for ourselves, but the funny thing was every 18 to 24 months, there was a new revision to the compensation plan. And that revision always seemed to dial back how much money the salespeople could make. Yeah, they have to. And mm-hmm. you have to for a reason, and that's an important factor is that, and by the way, you have to time relate that 70000 That was 40 years ago. So, <laughs> but, but still... Um, it wasn't much even back then. The, the reality is, is that owning companies myself, anytime you have a fixed sales commission structure and the cost of the product goes up, the cost of marketing the product goes up, and then ultimately the sales price goes up, all the salesmen see is they're getting the same size piece of a larger piece that right. cost you as the owner a lot more to put out there. So it just doesn't yep. work. You've got to change it's when that. when the com- commissions outpace the revenue that's the, that was and uh every employee that's a salesman feels the same way when they change it they just don't see it i don't get it why do you do that to me right so it's always a little frustrating so you got through the two-day what what did you come out of the two-day thinking what were your thoughts what was your plan interesting thing is we went in you know the two-day i'm going in hey we need to do this we need to do this carla my wife was a little apprehensive like I said, kind of waiting for the, you know, there's a catch. There's always a catch. With me here today on Telldale Tuesday is Jeff Zickler out of San Antonio, Texas. So, Jeff, let's pick it back up there with what you were talking about when we went to break. We were talking about, you know, kind of how the, the going into the two-day, I was real, hey, we need to do something. We need to do this. We're going to go in to learn how to buy a couple of houses. And my wife was a little apprehensive about even joining, for that matter. Um and then by the end of the two-day, by the end of the second day, you know, my wife is, she's Carla's full in. She's like, we're going straight to, we're going straight to going to buy apartments, forget the houses. You know, that's, that's, we don't even need to do that. And I was pulling back going, hang on a second. Wait, 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 wait. We're going too fast. Slow down. <laughs> um, so it was an interesting, yeah, it was an interesting dynamic shift during those, those two days um, of education and and, uh, you know, as you can see, I mean, you know, it took us a year and a half to come back and uh, keep coming back to the two-day and finally decide, hey, you know what, we've done well with the houses, but there's got to be something more. So you won that first battle and you went to houses, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, side question, different topic. Were you guys, either one of you, surprised how open people were about their personal finances? Both of us were extremely uh, surprised um, because both of us come from houses where we don't talk about religion, we don't talk about politics, and we don't talk about bank accounts. Um, that's how both of us were raised. There was not a lot of conversation about how much money we made, are we rich, are we poor, none of that. Um, I just know that you know. usually around the second week of the month, I had to avoid my dad on the weekends because he was writing checks he didn't want to write. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. All right, so um, when you guys decided to uh, change over to the apartments, 
Let's talk about that for a second. I see you've got some passive deals, two passive deals, two lead deals where you're the lead investor, 140 right. doors on the ones you're in lead on, 291 on the ones you're passive in. Did you do the passive first or did you mix them up? So we originally um, decided that when we were going to start doing apartments, we were just going to be passive uh, investors because we still weren't to the mindset yet where we could let go of our jobs. We were still trying to continue to, to hold on to the success that we had with, with building that side of our life. You know, we, we, it's kind of an identity. When you've done something for as long as we have done it, it becomes part of you, and the thought of letting that go is so far-fetched that it takes a while for that to, you know, it's an evolution. It takes a while for that to, to fully take hold. Um, so we initially invested in five passive deals, uh, and we got into five deals probably in the first six or seven months that we decided we were going to flip that switch. And it was still just kind of, Okay, so this is good. This is better than the houses, but there's still there was still something missing, um, and that's when we decided. You know, about a year later, we decided to to throw our name in the hat to you know decide to go out and and try to to buy one of these deals and, and renovate it and run it and learn how learn how to be a lead. So when you did that. What was the the plan? How did you put it together? What what steps did you take? I know you had to go through all our training classes. Yeah, we went through all the training, um, met with the mentors, had discussions with them. We met with the operations consultants. You know, just trying to gain as much knowledge. I'm I'm sometimes very analytical, sometimes overly analytical about things. So I wanted to know everything before going in. Um, and, you know, kind of going to the lifestyles meetings, it's always, there's always something funny that happens. I go, Carla tells me, we go to a, a road trip where they're presenting properties that are for sale. And um, Carla tells me, don't buy anything. You can go, listen, learn, but don't buy anything. Well, the property that they were presenting ended up being our first lead deal uh, because I knew a lot about the market. It's a, it's a sub-market outside of San Antonio. It's an hour outside of San Antonio, and it's basically my backyard where I grew up. And so they were presenting it, and I kept inserting extra information that the broker didn't have. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, it's a small town, but there's a lot of big employers out there. There's a jewelry manufacturer, there's prisons, there's this, there's that, there's an airport, all kinds of stuff. And so finally she walked up to me, the realtor walked up to me afterwards and said, well, I'm going to go ahead and put you in, in, in line to buy this property. So then I had to go back and explain to my wife that we're now going to buy a property in Honda, <laughs> Texas. And she told me not to buy anything. Oh, gosh. That can't let you out of the house, can she? Mm-mm. You come home with an apartment nope, I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to leave the house and go to a lifestyle meeting without her anymore. So that one did pretty well. Tell us about that. Did you have, was that a something you had to put some money into, rehab, turnaround? Was it a yield play, a, a value play? What no, this one This one was a pretty, I call it, I mean, it was it was a pretty big value add. We, uh, we bought the property, it was 48 units. We bought it for around 36, 37 a door. And we went in with a budget of about $10,000 a unit for capital expenditures and, and renovations. 
Um, we've renovated to date. I mean, four years later, we've renovated 40, 44 of the 48 units. There's still four people that are holding out in the classic units. Uh, we got hit by a hailstorm in 21, so we got new roofs and new ACs because the ACs are roof-mounted, courtesy of our insurance company. So we've essentially got a brand-new property, and we've to date we've returned over 85% of our investors' total investment to them over the past four years. So I mean, it's a little over 20% a year in cash flow and refi distributions. Very good. So uh, how many people do you take into that deal with you on your first deal? That deal, including our investment, we have 20 investors on that deal. Anytime we put a deal together, the things that I that I worry the most about are negotiating the, the sale agreement and then raising the capital. Um, it actually wasn't difficult. It, we, we had... We had to raise about a million dollars to buy that property, and it took us about 12 hours. 12 hours. Yeah. So, and that was, you know, before all the technology that we have now, it probably would have gone even faster. So I only have 30 seconds left in this segment, and that asks you a question. Do you have any idea how ridiculous that is to raise a million bucks in 12 hours? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> it, it blew my mind, I'll tell you that. I was expecting it to... I was expecting to have to go work a street corner, honestly. Um, yeah. So, no, that was that was pretty ridiculous. I, I don't think most leads even come close to understanding how powerful that is that they have access to. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Jack Ziegler and out of San Antonio and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. There is a dream killer here somewhere today. You're going to run into somebody that's going to tell you this stuff doesn't work. Like Vinette said, it's a scam. This is probably a multi level marketing program. Somebody is going to tell you it doesn't work because you're the wrong race, the wrong age, the wrong sex, the wrong sexual preference, the something or other. And this is all set up so rich people can be successful and all you poor people can't. And if you believe that, they've won. But if you don't, you win. Don't believe the dream killers. Start winning today with the Lifestyles Unlimited free workshop. Get the knowledge you need to replace your income in two to five years, and then find out how to take action. Register for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show with me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Jeff Ziegler out of San Antonio. And Jeff has two apartment complexes that he's the lead investor in, two apartment complexes he's the passive investor in. And Jeff, you said you had bought into five passive deals. You only have two now. What happened to the other ones? You sell them off? Yes. Um, one of them we sold, I think, within the first 18 months. Um, 
it was just a quick in and out. Well, actually, two of them were just quick in and out deals. One of them in Austin, one of them in, in the greater San Antonio area. Then we had one down on the coast that uh, took a little longer. Um, but yeah, it was it was you know they ran their course and it was it was time to let them go and move on to something else. Gotcha. So what? made you know it was time to move on from your first property, the 48 unit that you purchased in Hondo, that you were ready to look at your second deal a few years later? I was ready to quit my job. Ah, that's some inspiration for you, huh? (laughs) I was ready to get out of corporate America. I was ready to be done with that, with that piece. Um, And we've, you know, buy houses, you invest in apartments, you leave an apartment, and all of a sudden you sit down and you start to analyze the amount of income that you have coming in, and then you compare that incorrectly, compare that to your gross income that you're getting from your job, and then you go, wait a second, let's compare that to the net after tax, after the government and everybody takes their cut. And I was actually making as much money in our investments as I was bringing home for my job. So it was, it was time. It was time to walk away and, and start focusing on building our own business. That's a big realization. That's a really big realization. It is. Yeah, it was kind of a slap in the face, honestly. Like, how long has this been like this? <laughs> you know, I said I made that 70000 a year. You know, I'm, that only comes down to $3,500 a month. There was almost nothing mm-hmm. to replace that. So uh, the other thing that's a part of that is now that you have a view of how it can be done, that which probably never, ever came up in your mind before, very infrequently came up, that of letting the job go, how did that overcome it? Was it it overcame fear or was it positivity? You wanted to move on in your life. Um, Was it because you now had a different identity? Remember you said you were attached to the identity of the job. Which one was it or what combination was it that allowed you to let go of that job? Well, there was an interesting paradigm shift. I mean, this all happened, you know, during during COVID. I actually actually quit my job um, in November of 2020. And, um, you know, there was just a there was just a disconnect from the job had changed. The, the the entire world, if you will, had changed. And the the identity of being the salesperson, the successful salesperson and being around the people that you work with all the time, all of that just evaporated almost overnight. And you know, you're working at home on top of each other, trying to teach your kids and you know, just Became a point where it was like enough is enough, you know. I'm, I'm my family's got a ranch, we've got that, we've got the apartment complex, you know, the apartment community, we've got the houses and the job. You know, there just became too much, and something had to give, and it was finally like, you know what, that's the easy one to cut, and uh, that was. I mean, it just it just became a point of there's too much stuff going on. What's the easy thing to cut out of a life? Out of my life. <laughs> you know, you just made a point I've never thought of, and I'm going to add it to my repertoire if I can remember it. But uh, I'm going to restate your point. If you do derive, which I think most people do, derive their identity from their job, 
And you're not going into seeing people that you have more authority than every day. You're not going to see people that look up to you every day. And you're at home changing diapers or feeding pablum or, or walking the dogs and picking up the dog poo. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like, man, it doesn't matter that I've got a, you know, a very expensive three-piece suit in the closet or whatever. I, I'm just Joe, you know, on the street. Yep. And yep. uh, that title doesn't really do me much good anymore. So I thought that's an interesting point you made. I don't know it how much. It becomes very it humbling very quickly, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, buying, buying myself some dog and chasing around picking up poop, that humbled me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been in my seminar for thirty years. You know what ends up happening? You end up getting yourself a dog. And, yep, exactly. Right, so that's the, you got the dog. It's it. It's the only one that still loves you when you come home late <laughs> at night from work. You know, it's there waiting for you at the door. That's the one that really cares. So, the uh, it, it really does get down to priorities in life. So, you decided to get the second property because you wanted to get out of your job. I miss that. Right. Now let's go back to. How did you go about finding the deal, and how long did it take you once you made that decision? Well, when you could go meet people in person and shake their hand and they could see that you were for real, it was a lot easier. Um, to get that second deal, um, It was that, that property was actually kind of interesting. We had looked at it the year before um, going into kind of on the front end going into COVID, January and February, we were about to put the property under contract. And then um, all of a sudden the lenders started talking about this replacement reserve escrow. We call it the COVID escrow where you had to give them a whole bunch of money up front just so that they could make sure that you weren't going to, you know, become insolvent. And, you know, the deals became for about six weeks, you know, the credit markets kind of froze up and the deals just kind of stopped. And uh, so on at that point, we just, the seller pulled the property off the market. We walked away. We were probably days away from, from going under contract on that property. It just so happened that things just, just didn't work out at that point. So a year later, um, I was making some phone calls to some brokers and just letting them know, hey, we're, we're still here. We're still looking. We're still ready to go. And uh, that property just happened to cycle back in, and 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 you know we they actually had it marketed for almost a million dollars less a year later than what we were looking to go under contract the previous year, and you know that it just worked. I mean, it, we just we already had done due diligence on the property, we'd already done all the stuff. I mean, we redid it all again because a lot of stuff can happen in a year, especially in 2020. Um, and you know it just it just cycled back around, but you just got to pick up the phone. You got to call brokers. You got to call you know mortgage brokers, real estate brokers. Just get your name out there and let everybody know. Hey, we're looking for deals and we're for real. There's a word for an occurrence that I cannot remember the word, but it's when stuff happens for the right reason. It was meant to be, kind of thing. Right. And it sounds like this was just meant to be that you had to walk away at that time. You come back to a million dollars less. Didn't that look like your name was written all over that for you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it was frustrating to have gone through as much of the exercise of, you know, there's a lot of work on the front end, you know, buying, buying the property. And we went through 
you know, 10 steps. And then we get to the point where it's like, okay, we're ready to go. And you can't go. And so it was a little frustrating. So yeah, it was, it was nice. It was relieving. It was, it was, it was, yeah, kind of, I guess, fate, right? Is I don't know if yeah. that's just kind of circles back around. It's like, Hey, let's take another, you don't often get a chance to take a second swing at a property like that. So it's, uh, it was nice to be able to do that. It doesn't happen very often. So when you looked at it, what kind of deal was it? Was it a value play, a yield play? What did, what were you seeing when you looked at no, it? No, it was it was a deal that needed yeah it needed some love. It was it was uh, it was a kind of a hybrid between a value and a uh, and a and a yield play. It was right on the verge of of being a good cash flowing asset, but it had poor management ownership that didn't want the property, and so they just kind of let it start to smell, you know, kind of started to rot on the vine a little bit. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we needed to go in and work on the resident profile and clean the property up a little bit. And, you know, we're 18 months into it right now. and took a little while to get the resident profile changed because rent relief propped a bunch of people up and, and different things like that. But just over the last probably 60 days, we've turned a corner with that property and, uh, it's it's rolling rolling along pretty good now. Excellent. I think war, a word that comes close to what I was thinking about was providence, and I think maybe the situation was yes. hey, the COVID situation, which made it tough for you to turn it around, also made it get, allowed you to get it for a million bucks or less. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Jeff Zickler out of San Antonio. Jeff currently has two apartment complexes he's a lead investor on, two more that he's a passive investor on. He's done seven houses. He's been with us since 2015, and he has retired, and he's in the process of his second major lead deal. This one is double the size of his first one. What did you think about that, Jeff, that you took on something double the size? What, did that mean anything to you? It did. It mean it. It meant actually. I thought it would mean that uh, things might be a little bit easier because um, I'd have my own staff. The property that we, the first property we bought, we were sharing staff with another lifestyles member who owned a property down the street from us. It was always a balancing act of, you know, getting my business plan implemented versus them, you know, working for the other guy and and not not necessarily implementing the plan the way I wanted it done, but they did a good job of balancing that out. It was nice to be able to to have my own people, have my own staff, and and kind of work through that with them. And, um, you know, it, it just is a lot of the same, but, you know, when you've got more doors, you've got a little more work to go with it, too. So you've got to tee up the contractors a little bit differently and, and – uh, and different things like that. But, you know, it's one of the things David Fisher says, you do apartments, you just add another zero to the end of it. Um, and sometimes that's what it feels like. You know, the expenses are, are there and, and they're bigger, the bigger the, the, uh, the community. But it's been, a, it's been a fun ride. Did you find that you had learned stuff from the first deal that made it easier to do the second deal? Oh, my God, yes. Um the most important things I learned was ask questions. Uh, um, you you learn from, you know, Lifestyle does such a good job of putting people around you and, and making it a team effort, even though 
you know, you're the lead, right? You've got a team of people behind you, the mentors, the consultants, that type of stuff. And, you know, you go into it and, and the first, the first deal you do, you're, you're kind of a deer in the headlights, you know, okay, so now I bought this thing, what do I do with it? Right. Um, but not having to be, or even not having to act like the smartest person in the room and being able to pick up the phone and call the mentors and call the consultants, you know, that's, I always felt like I was being a bother to them. You know, why do they, why do they need to help me? I'm just, you know, I only own 48 doors. Why, why are they going to waste their money? And that's the beauty of, of the lifestyle system is that I can pick up the phone and call Teresa right now and she'll answer the phone. She's our central Texas, uh, ops consultant, pick up the phone, call Teresa right now. She'll answer. And I haven't stumped her yet. There hasn't been a situation that I've been up against with one of my properties, with one of my residents that she has not dealt with, seen, or know how to deal with and coach you through it. And the same is true with the mentors with Robert and Doug. And, and it's just, it's a beautiful system to have people that have been there, done that, and you're not just hanging out there on your own trying to figure it out. You know, that first time around, um, the way I would state it is, you don't even know what you don't know, so you don't know the questions exactly. to ask. And, <laughs> exactly. and people are asking you things. Did you think of this? By the way, do you have insurance yet? Oh, <laughs> you know, just attention yep. like that. So, you know, you, you, then, you know, like uh, weird things like uh, does the electrical box out there, does that belong to me or does that belong to the electric company? And the answer exactly. is, I don't know. But you now know you better does, find out. And neither right? does the electric company sometimes. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it just, it's, it, there's so much, it's so much easier after you've gone through one. And yeah, you create, a, you create a checklist of all the, what you thought were stupid questions that you realize, oh, those aren't stupid questions. Those are, you know, those are things you actually need to know. That's called due diligence. Yes, I said <laughs> definitely. So as you went through this, this second one here, the staffing and payroll. Had you ever done payroll staffing and that kind of stuff at your other job? No, that was a that was a, a different kind of learning curve. And again, you know, relying on operations consultants. What kind of questions can I ask in an interview? What kind of questions should I ask? What kind of questions can I not ask legally? Um, you know, I'm a I I would laugh at when I was at my job. I was a walking HR nightmare because you know I have to tone it down on the radio a little bit, but I cuss like a sailor and I don't always say the most politically correct things. And um, I would always joke that I was a, I'm a walking HR nightmare. Well, now I'm the boss and I've got to interview people and not get sued. Right. So yeah, that's a, that was a very interesting conversation to have with the operations consultant about questions you can and can't ask and how to respond in certain scenarios, right? So definitely a learning curve there. The plan. What was the plan? Was it to raise the rents, to change the clientele? What? Obviously, you said you did have to change the clientele already, so that's redundant. But uh, did you do any rehab? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so day one we went in. There were a handful of vacants showed up with the contractors. These are guys that I've worked with before. They know what my finished product is supposed to be. Hit them, hit the units hard, 
renovated. We were, yeah, we were going in and and changing the the look of the apartments from an interior standpoint completely. Uh, the 1970s build, so you've got a light switch that operates a plug somewhere that turns on a lamp. So part of our plan is to go in and South Texas, you need ceiling fans. Um, so that's an easy kind of low-hanging fruit. We put those in, repaint, put in new countertops. Some of the cabinets, the bottoms of them were just completely disintegrated, uh, and I don't really know how they were hanging on other than a couple of screws and some strategically placed studs. So. Some of the units you go in, you replace cabinets. So the goal was go in and, and, and renovate. And comparatively to the market, that property was significantly lower on rent. Appreciate you coming in and telling your story and look forward to having you back on again in the future. Well, the rest of you out there, keep in mind, not the money, it's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.